We read scripture this evening from Proverbs chapter 15. The book of Proverbs chapter 15. We hear the inspired infallible word of God. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools whoreth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doth not so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more than the hearts of the children of men? A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. The way of the slothful man is as an hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it. The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. 
The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. We read God's word that far. May God bless his word to our hearts. We take verses 16 and 17 as our text this evening. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, Are our homes characterized by happiness, by joy? We live in an age when joy and happiness are pursued in money. If only we have this, if only we have that, if only we're able to provide this for our children, then we'll have joy. We need to make our children happy by satisfying all of their cravings and desirings and allowing them to do and to pursue what they please. Or happiness is found in the pursuit of one's own will. How will we know joy and happiness? By doing what we want. By pursuing our will. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the ways of the world. The idea that possessions, nice homes, good vacations, gifts are what we and our children desperately need for the joy and the happiness that we desire. Our text this evening sets before us God's will with regard to our homes. And it sets before us the crucial importance of the fear of the Lord and love. We come away from the table of the Lord knowing the wonder of the love of God. God has touched us with regard to His love and the marvel of it in the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God gives us to know the fear of Jehovah, that which is our delight, to stand before God as those who delight in Him, who love Him, and who desire to serve Him and to show forth His praise. Love and the fear of the Lord must reign within our homes. Is our home a home of love? Is peace evident within our homes? Does the fear of Jehovah rule within our homes? Is discipline administered according to the will of God? Are decisions made in accordance with God and our love for Him and our delight with regard to His goodness and His mercy, desiring to walk in thankful praise to Him, the God of our salvation? Are we living selfless, loving lives toward those around us? Does our husband, our wife, do our children, do your father, your mother see evidence of your love for God and the fact that what's ruling in your life is your understanding of God and His fear and your delight in the pursuit of His will? Do they see that motivation day in and day out? 
That which rules my dad, that which rules my mom, that which rules my son is his love for God. And the fear of Jehovah is his or her motivation. A tool that God has given unto us to assist us in that pursuit is devotions. A long-standing biblical and reformed practice that increasingly is losing its place in our day. Mealtimes and devotions during mealtimes become a thing of the past. It perhaps happens on Sunday, but very little throughout the rest of the week. And we understand why. We live in a fast-paced society. We're busy. Often we don't have time to gather with our families. And due to the ease of transportation and affluence, so often we find ourselves eating out. Many excuses we can come up with to justify the lack in our lives. But we face this question. What characterizes our homes? Our homes characterized by the love of God and the fear of the Lord. Solomon makes here a contrast in this proverb. And we look at that contrast under the theme, a dinner of herbs with love. Noting the destitute home, first of all, and secondly, the satisfying feast. First of all, we look at the destitute home as it's described here. Great trouble and treasure and a stalled ox and hatred therewith. The wisdom of Solomon is presenting here what is most important in a home. And the reference to great treasure and little in verse 16 are a Hebrew parallelism. And then similarly, we have stalled ox and a dinner of herbs set parallel one with another in verse 17. And the contrast of our text sets before us two starkly different homes. The first home that we look at this evening is a home where money is no object. It's the home that's characterized here with great treasure, with a stalled ox. Mealtimes find fabulous food set before this family. The house is large. Each child has many toys. But disorder, trouble, characterize this home. There's confusion. There's hatred present. This text brings us into the meal time. And it brings us into the home when the meal is being set and the home is ready to gather together to eat. And we understand that meal times give us an insight into the spiritual well-being of a home. It used to be that the elders would go on family visitation and would deliberately show up at families during mealtimes and would join the family then and would implement family visitation during the meal. Mealtimes are times when we gather together as fellowship, as families. And this text identifies the fact that that hour or so that's spent with our family reflects the spiritual state of the home. Are all the family members present? If not, why? Where are they? What's more important to them? Are devotions present? Is the Father opening with the Word of God? Are the Scriptures being read? Are the children being taught to pray? What attitude is brought to the dinner table? As the family gathers together, is it an attitude of selfishness? Or is love 
and the fear of God evident within this home? Are the children arguing and fighting? Are they trying to get their food first? Are they trying to help each other? Are they trying to assist one another? Family devotions used to be a fixed practice and was viewed as more important even than eating itself. Every member of the family present, making sure that even if they didn't make it for the food, they would be there for the spiritual food and drink that would take place with the devotions. We have a home here that's described where such devotional life is not present. The stalled ox is a reference to a cow that's been raised and fed in a stall. And now it's been butchered and it's being prepared for the family to eat. The stalled ox represents here the best cuts of meat. The steak, the prime rib, all the expensive best tasting cuts are being prepared for supper. So again, in this home, there's no lack. If you were to enter this home, you would find a scrumptious meal being prepared. However, there would be an atmosphere of tenseness. Hatred, not love, would rule the home. Jealousy, dissatisfaction, anger, frustration, resentment. And if the family was around the table, that would be one thing, but likely they wouldn't even be around the table. Each would be grabbing his plate of food and going to his own place in order to eat it on his own. That lack of love, that lack of the fear of the Lord is such that it ruins the nature and character of the home. It destroys the appetite. Mother and father are fighting. The children are arguing. They're yelling. Words of accusation are being hurled at one another. And even though the words, I hate you, perhaps are not being used, there's a tension that is evident immediately around the table. The children are not showing respect and love to their parents. There's times when you could cut that tension with a knife. Things may be civil, but the atmosphere is like a bomb just waiting to explode at any moment. And everyone is treading on eggshells. Even though the home is beautiful, the food is delicious, we would dread to be in that home. The children don't really want to be there. The children would rather be off eating somewhere else. Go to a friend's home. Even if there's not as good a food. Even if the friend's home is much less. There's no joy in this home. There's no security in this home. There's no safety in this home. There's no evidence of the love of God and the fear of the Lord ruling. Instead, there's confusion, there's sin, there's disorder, and there's anger. Now, beloved, you've been at that table... I've been there. Maybe it was your own home growing up. Perhaps it happens now. Maybe it was a Thanksgiving dinner, a Christmas dinner, where the relatives all came and there was a scrumptious feast laid out. But soon the whole meal was spoiled by hatred and by sin. An hour or someone else's heart. Maybe you slept over at someone's house and you experienced the tension in that home. There can be beautiful homes with full pantries, but they're lacking love and the fear of the Lord. And sin, unrepented of, unforsaken in our lives, robs us of all kinds of things. It robs us of contentment, of pleasure. It robs us of joy. It robs us of satisfaction. 
Sin never gives you anything. It's important for us to understand that. Sin robs us of everything. And it never gives us anything. Sin promises contentment. It promises pleasure. It promises satisfaction. But sin does not produce. It takes from you everything. It robs you of everything that's good. It ravages your heart. It ravages your soul. It destroys your home and makes your home desolate. Sometimes we see pictures of what tornadoes do as they come through areas. They leave a wide swath of total desolation. Sin enters your life. It enters my life. And it leaves a path of desolation and destruction. It robs us of the love of God in Jesus Christ. It robs us of the joy and the happiness as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as children. The great enemy of the Christian home is covetousness, discontentment. The Bible makes clear now that sin is not found in things. Sin is not found in prosperity, nor is holiness found in poverty. We understand that. Yet one cannot mistake the emphasis of our text here. That misery and hatred are often found in the homes where there's great treasure. The homes with a stalled ox. Now that strikes us. We live in the lap of luxury. We live in homes characterized by wealth and luxury. Now the problem is not with the things, it's with our attitude toward them. When we become greedy, when we become covetous, we destroy one another and we destroy our homes. Notice that emphasis in verse 27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house. And notice how that verse continues. But he that hateth gifts shall live. Again, that convicts us, does it not? So easy, especially as children, we become envious. Our sister, our brother gets something for their birthday. Or maybe a friend of ours gets something and we want it. And we want gifts. We live for gifts. Notice. He that hateth gifts shall live. One that's not living in greed. One that's not living in covetousness. Always wanting something that someone else has. It's the love of riches. The love of things that troubles our homes. And becomes an enemy then to our own heart. Because now we're not living in love toward our siblings. We're not living in love toward our parents. We want something we don't have. And we long after and we desire it. And we allow it to trouble our hearts. Now there are are different categories into which those covetous desires fall. It may be something that's sinful. Something we may not have. A different man, a different woman. God commands us to be content with the circumstances and situations in which He's placed us. It may be that it's something that's not sinful in itself, but it's something God's not been pleased to give us that we desire. We allow our heart to believe that if only the circumstances were different, if only we had this or that, then joy would characterize our homes. Love for self reigns. And although we would never admit it, it's love for myself that controls then my actions. Love for myself 
that keeps me from showing love toward others. And that love for self brings trouble. It brings difficulties in my home. You trouble your house. Your heart is set on something other than that which God has set forth. It's not walking in love toward God. It's not walking in thankfulness toward God. You're not living in the consciousness of the fear of Jehovah. Rather, you're living in love for self. And you want that which you don't have. And now there's tension, there's strife, there's hatred, there's ill will, there's resentment. And there becomes distance, there becomes tension. And it's because of sin. Now we don't leave the sin general. The cause of disruption in our homes is because we're not content. We're not satisfied with that place that God has given to us. The fear of Jehovah and the love of God is not sufficient. We're not living in the conscious wonder of what God's done for me and what I owe unto Him. I owe my life of gratitude and thankfulness to Him. I owe to Him my all. Rather, we're living in a spirit of entitlement, a spirit that we deserve. And so our lust, our materialism, our seeking after these things becomes the answer. We need this so that we can attain that. We need a large income so that we can live at a certain level. We want a certain type of home, a certain vehicle. We desire boats and campers and lake homes and vacation opportunities. And we desire to have all of these things. And we're willing to sacrifice our mealtimes in the pursuit of them. We want things. We want more. We're not content. We live in such a way that these things are what provide happiness. And we need the alcohol. We need the gifts. We need all of the possessions because that's what makes this home a home. And this infects our children so that our children or young people learn from us. The source of joy, the source of happiness is things. And if only you have these things, then you'll be happy. Then your marriage will be well. If only you have the new home and the new clothes and the vehicles and all of the rest. And so we don't get what we want. And what happens? There's tension now. We want to date a certain boy, a certain girl. And our dad says no. And so now we are angry with our parents. And we show that at the mealtime. There's a hatred there that exists because we didn't get our way and we didn't get what we wanted. We pout, we give the silent treatment maybe because of our selfishness. Or maybe I want a motorcycle or a four-wheeler and my dad says no. Now we hate our dad and we show it at mealtimes. The meal might be delicious, prepared and loved by our mother, but there's no joy. And what's disrupting the joy? My selfish spirit. My sinful heart because I now am set on things. Or maybe I want my husband to be like this person, and he's not. And so there's resentment. Or I desire my wife to be more like this one, and she's not. Ultimately, we're involved in turmoil against God. The God who ordained our lives. And we're saying, I am higher than God. I believe that I know better than God what would be best in this home. I, I, I. And what happens? I ruin my home. 
Don't blame others. I destroy my home through my sinful pride, which is a source of my strife, my sin of greed, my covetousness, my lack of living in the love of God and pursuing the fear of Jehovah. Now note the contrast here. Contrasted with this home where there is great treasure and a stalled ox, but trouble and hatred is a very satisfying and beautiful home. Little with the fear of the Lord and a dinner of herbs where love is. Note that contrast. Again, we have an entirely different home here. And as we enter into this home, we find a home that is small. The furniture well-worn. It's a home that has meager means. Mother is preparing a meal of herbs. That's greens and cabbage. That's all they have. There's no meat to put on the table this evening. But there's something right about this home. It's a home where love is present. It's a home where the fear of God is evident. Even though the food is plain, the children can't wait to come to supper. Dad's going to be there. Mom's going to be there. The Bible's going to be read. The other children are going to be present. The love of God makes this home. God's love sweetens that herb stew and makes this home a place of peace and joy. Neighborhood kids are inclined to be at this home. They want to come here for dinner, even though they know they're maybe just going to get some cabbage soup. Present in this home is a spirit of love, one toward another. Now what is the fear of the Lord? What does that love look like? Jesus taught his disciples what it looks like. When at the Last Supper, he stooped and grabbed the bucket and went to wash his disciples' feet. That love is present. A giving of oneself for the sake of others. That's the essence of love. Knowing the wonder of the love of God toward us. A love that gives and gives and gives. And that fills us to overflowing so that our desire is to serve one another. Our desire is to give of ourselves for the sake of others. One cannot make too much of Jesus' instruction regarding the washing of one another's feet. And we could spend much time on that and its application to our homes. Are we serving others? Is that the spirit with which we approach mealtime? Is it a spirit of entitlement? We come expecting to be served? Or is it a spirit of eager? Willingness to assist others. Seeking the well-being of others. Present in the home, not as a leech trying to get what I can out of it, but present as one who's seeking ways to assist, one ways to help and ways to show that love. God's word, God's word comes to us this evening, beloved. What characterizes your home? What characterizes my home? It's the menu that's not important. It's not how the home looks and the age of the home and the nature of the furniture. What's important is Christian love and the knowledge of the gospel that promotes love in the hearts and lives of the members of the family. Is that love of God present in our homes? And does that love of God create then peace 
It creates that spirit of serving one another and living for the sake of others. Is that love characterizing our marriage? And are we living out of it? God's Word is more important than the food that we eat. And that's really what this text is stressing here. More important than the food on your table is the Word of God. Job made this known in Job 23, verse 12. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jehovah God is able to work a wonder. He takes us who are selfish, who are sinners. He binds us to himself by a true and living faith. And he brings us together in families where we are put together with fellow sinners. And he works a wonder. He works the power of his love in our hearts and in our lives. And he makes it so that we now seek after the things that are spiritual, the things that are heavenly. We seek after the well-being of others. Where sin prevails, members are driven apart by hatred and bitterness. And they stand at guard one against another. They dig in their heels in defense. Each is interested with his interest, her interest. Imagine if Jesus lived that way. If Jesus came and was only interested in his own interests. We would all be doomed to everlasting destruction in hell. But beloved, the gospel of salvation penetrates our hearts and our souls. Jesus Christ came to serve sinners. He came to give of himself for those who are unworthy. He came to spend himself for you and for me. And that love of God melts our own interests. It directs us to seek His glory, His good. With that love of God, there's happiness and there's joy. We may experience the most meager of meals, the heaviest of burdens, but there's peace, there's contentment. The power of God's love is such that He makes our house a home and he makes it a place that is blessed with love and with the fear of the Lord now God does that by a wonder of grace again he works the gift of faith in our hearts he gives us to know ourselves as sinners he works in us repentance so that our homes are characterized as homes where we say sorry to one another we acknowledge our faults We admit our wrongs. Our homes are characterized by reminding one another of the wonder of the cross. Not esteeming one above the other, but acknowledging together we're sinners. We need Christ. And God impresses upon us the wonder of His forgiving love and His faithfulness. God shows His love by revealing those sins to us. He shows that love by working in us to see our failures as husband, our failures as a wife, to see our sins as children and young people. And God drives us to repentance. He drives us to the cross to see His love for us, that those sins are forgiven. And He shows His love again and again and again to us, giving us to know And to hate that sin and to seek after the things that are good and right in His sight. 
He gives us to know peace. He gives us to know contentment. He gives us to know the wonder of His love and His faithfulness. And that love of God in Jesus Christ is the power that brings joy. It brings happiness to a home and to a meal. This love of God in Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And this is the wonder by which God loves us. And God establishes His covenant with us and with our children. God saves families. And God takes those families and He brings them around His Word and around the meals that He provides. And He works in them the wonder of wonders by which they know His fear and the power and wonder of His love. We sometimes require of God that He prove His love to us. We struggle sometimes to see and to know that love. And God does. God says, direct your eye to the cross where my beloved Son hung. Behold the love of God. And behold the manner of that love that was bestowed upon you so that while you were sinners, Christ died for you. That love of God directs us to live unto Him. And that love of God satisfies like nothing else can satisfy. Having the love of God, I have everything. I have everything that I need. I know God's forgiving mercy. I know the grace of God. I know the power of His Spirit strengthening me to pursue His will and His way. I know by the wonder of the love of God that all things work together for good. I know by the power of the love of God the desire to pursue His will. Not my will, Thy will be done. And it's that love that strengthens us, that builds us up in the enjoyment of His mercy and His goodness. That love of God, beloved, stands as the foundation of our marriages and the bedrock of our homes. Behold the love of God. Constantly be focused on the wonder of that love. Reminded of the wonder of the goodness of Jehovah God. As husbands, love your wives. As wives, love your husbands by submitting to them. As children, love your parents for God's sake. The love of God means more to us than anything else. And it moves us to thankfulness and to obedience. Jesus said, love me and keep my commandments. Now, beloved, the way to experience and constantly be reminded of the wonder of this love is to be in the Word and to be in prayer. One of the hallmarks of the Protestant Reformation was the restoration of home life. And with that came family worship. The Scottish Reformers viewed this as so important that they added in their songbook, along with the forms that we would have in the back of our Psalter, a document that's called the Directory for Family Worship. And if you have opportunity to look that up, it's worth reading. That document had influence so that it was adopted by the consistories of Presbyterian churches throughout America. One congregation in Dorchester, Massachusetts in 1677 adopted this statement. We make this resolution to reform our families, engaging ourselves to a contentious care to maintain the worship of God in them and to walk in our homes with perfect hearts and a faithful discharge of our domestic duties, educating, instructing, 
charging our children and households to keep the way of the Lord. Recognizing the crucial importance of God's word and prayer being present within the homes. Why so important? Where the home is strong, we know the church is strong. If worship falls apart in our homes, then the life of our families is also going to affect our churches and our schools. If the homes are not teaching and training, then the children are not going to listen to the instruction they receive in the church. God says in this passage, good is a dinner of herbs where love is. God is saying, this is good. It's good where families are gathered together in a covenant home with the love of God at the center of that gathering. Now, are we going to say what God calls good is not worth pursuing in my home? When we don't have our meals together, when we don't do so around God's word, when the Bible is left unread week after week, when we don't gather in prayer with our families, are we so bold as to say there won't be much of an effect on our homes or on our spiritual life? Beloved, the scriptures are very different. The Holy Spirit speaks about homes and tables and mealtimes again and again throughout the Bible. Psalm 128, verse 3. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. The Spirit emphasizes a central important part of our home. The table. What happens at mealtime is representative of others. Where families sit together in love. Where families sit together in peace. There's rest. There's joy in that home. Where the husband and wife and children sit together around the word of God and prayer. There's peace. That devotional life must be present in our homes. It doesn't mean that it needs to be lengthy. It can be brief at times. But the word needs to be read. We need to take the time to teach our children from the word. We spend time in prayer. There's time perhaps to sing even. This is a time of bonding. It's a time of sharing. It's a time of reminding one another of the love of God and the fear of Jehovah that is present and that rules our homes. And beloved, you and I need to hear this. The devil tempts us to think that our home life and devotional life is not so crucial. The love of God is what satisfies. The fear of Jehovah is that which causes a home to be joyful. And this is an important point that again and again the book of Proverbs drives home. And it's something we need to hear. God's love and the fear of the Lord alone satisfy. If you're living apart from God's love and apart from the fear of God, there's going to be trouble. Young people, you need to hear this. Nothing else will give you satisfaction. A boyfriend's lust for you or the loving squeeze of his hand, that's not going to satisfy. The body of a girl, that's not going to satisfy your desires as a young man. Being the most popular, the smartest, the most athletic, that's not going to satisfy. Being the wealthiest and having a $40,000 car or a $70,000 truck, that's not going to satisfy. Alcohol, drugs, marijuana... These things aren't going to 
give you joy and happiness, you're just going to get addicted and you're going to want more and more. God says, though you would gain the whole world and lose your soul, you're not going to be satisfied. The whole world, all its splendor, all its glory, it's all yours. It's not going to profit you apart from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And so here's the question we ask ourselves. Am I setting my heart on a stalled ox? Am I setting my heart on possessions, on wealth, on fame, on honor? Or am I setting my heart on God and the pursuit of His will and the fear of Jehovah? The child of God confesses, I have the love of God in Jesus Christ. And having the love of God in Jesus Christ, I have everything. That's the highest blessing that I could attain. That's the wonder by which Jehovah God has given me to know peace and joy. And having that love in my heart, I love my wife as myself. I love my children. That love gives me motivation to love my husband. It gives me motivation to discipline my children in love, day in and day out. It gives me the motivation to train up my children the fear and honor of Jehovah. It motivates me to make use of good Christian schools. God has shed His love upon me that that love might be evident in my home and in my family and that that love might be passed on to those with whom God gives me contact. That's the blessing. The love of God and the fear of Jehovah. Do you love your children? Do you seek solid happiness and joy for your children? Lead your children then not to expect that joy and happiness from the world. Expect little from the world. The mercies of the wicked are cruel. We need to teach increasingly our children and young people that persecution is going to take from us everything. And we need to be willing to give it all up so that we teach and we seek to lead by example the reality that we're living not for the things of this life. The things of this life are fleeting. The things of this life in a moment can be taken from us. We teach them to live for the fear of Jehovah and the power and wonder of the love of God. To study hard, to work diligently for God's sake. To not compromise the truth. To stand for what is right. And to seek the will of Jehovah God. And that in doing so, expect that you're going to lose. You're going to lose earthly things. You're not going to get the promotions that you would desire. You're not going to get the opportunities because you're not willing to work on Sunday. Because you're not willing to compromise your Christian faith. But you have everything that you need from the hand of Jehovah God. And your Heavenly Father promises that He will Provide your every need. We teach our children, by God's grace, the importance of that fellowship and covenant life within our homes. Abraham welcomed angels to his table. Hebrews talks about being hospitable and sharing what we have with others. The Bible talks about Joseph inviting his brothers to eat with him. David showed kindness to Melchizedek, a descendant of Jonathan, bringing him to his table. That our tables are characterized by love, the love of God and the fear of Jehovah. And that in our homes we lead our children then by our own example to the cross to see the wonder of the love of God in Jesus Christ. That that is the most important treasure 
that that is what gives joy and happiness. And we lead by our own example. It matters not whether we have herbs or cabbage on our table, but where the love of God rules, their God is praised, and that home is blessed. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy grace in our hearts, for the wonder of the love with which Thou hast loved us in Jesus Christ, and cause that by Thy Spirit we might ever live in the conscious wonder of it, and that we might go forward as those who show forth Thy praise. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.